Do you consider yourself quirky? I do. And how about queer? I do, but it's a little bit complicated on that front. Hi, hello, and good day to you, you fabulous quirky queerdos. My name is T. Johnny, and this is the second episode of Quirky and or Queer, a podcast about otherness. I have absolutely loved the comments and feedback from the first episode. It really means a lot to me that so many people have been supportive of this project and are listening. This episode, episode two, finds me interviewing Beldum Aiken. Beldum and I met auditioning for the Neptune Theater's uh, Improv Conservatory program. We hit it off pretty much right away. We share some similar views on social justice, queer issues, and comedy. It has been a pleasure getting to know her. We recorded this episode at the Glitter Bean Cafe on Spring Garden Road in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I had just returned from a fun event where I was dressed in rainbow tights and a rainbow hoodie. Needless to say, I looked and felt very fabulous and very queer. Recording at the Glitter Bean, while a little bit noisy, as you'll likely hear in this episode, was awesome. I love that we have a queerly owned and operated events and coffee space in this city. In this episode, we talk about Beldum's childhood, her views on love and partnership, and how her experience of otherness shaped her experiences of the world. Beldum is fierce, thoughtful, funny, and a real joy to be around. So let's get into it, shall we? Welcome to Quirky and or Queer. So Beldum, you're here for Quirky and or Queer. I am. Do you consider yourself quirky? I do. And how about queer? I do, but it's a little bit complicated on that front. Okay. Um, just because I I do prefer to be just referred to as a lesbian before mm. I, be, I would like to be referred to as queer. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where I like, I kind of go back and forth on it. The place where I am now is just, you know, a lot of other LGBTQ people use yeah. queer. So it's kind of like, you know what? You want to stand out. I. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna, you wanna, at the age of queerdom, you want to be a lesbian. Got it. Kind <laughs> of. But it's like being a lesbian is so important to me of that course. it's like, that's yeah. my primary thing. But it's like in community spaces, it's like. Most people are using queer now. That's okay. Yeah. My only problem is when straight people use it to refer to the community. Yeah, and then they I'm made like, up with someone once when they were drunk when they were 20 and they're like, I'm queer. Or like when they just call it the queer community. Yeah. You know, like I'm kind of like, maybe it's, not you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't do that. It's inclusive you know? to the point of exclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like saying we're all the same and we all know that we're not. Mm-hmm. And then I think the great big beauty of the what I call it the queer community is probably just because I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> but that's a word I use all the time. Mm-hmm. It's the name of the podcast. No, yeah, um, totally. But it is. I, I think I agree that like we can't just lump everyone all into one community because there's so many intersectional differences. Exactly. To our identities. But at the same time, it's it's you know it's a word that is um, really accessible for a lot of people mm-hmm. and it means a lot to a lot of people. So I'm not gonna say like mm-hmm. don't call me queer. But if you do, if someone were to do that to the exclusion of calling me a lesbian, yeah. then I might be like. Maybe stop now. You I just know? have this image of you running down the street from your work job and be like, I'm a lesbian! Basically. Really? Basically. Oh, That's pretty God. much how I live my life. I would pay... I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I want to live my life. <laughs> yeah. My grandparents might be confused. Yeah. Uh, but fuck them. So, we jump in and start talking about queer identities right away. Beldum and I have very different experiences of queerness. I am a cisgender man, and I will never know what it means to be a lesbian. But our discussion made me think about self-determination and the power of being able to claim your identity. Beldum is consciously and fiercely associating herself with the term lesbian. It is a radical act of self-compassion. For Pride this year, I made, it was partially made from something that I was going to wear to Pride last year, Mm -hmm. did not go to Pride at all last year, like not like 2017 or whatever. Yeah. Um... But 2018, I went to the parade and I was like, okay, I got to get this done. I had commissioned a t-shirt that has dyke written across it yeah. in the Barbie font yeah. in like hot pink. And the t-shirt that it came on was too, way too big and I tried making it smaller and I just screwed it up. So what I did was I bought a tank top mm-hmm. um, and then I just cut out dyke and I sewed it back on huh. um, just like as a patch. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, so I was like that pink velvet booty shorts. I had like a flower crown <laughs> And I'm like, lesbian. <laughs> just like, because 
that's the thing is like I there is always a discussion in lesbian spaces and just um, you know woman loving woman spaces in general about yeah. you hear a lot about feminine visibility. Oh yeah, and it's one of those things where it is. It's just one of those things where it's like. I get it. Like, I totally get it. It's really hard sometimes when people don't mm-hmm. see you as a lesbian, as a bi woman, as a femme. Of course, yeah. Um, it's super hard. But then also it's like you have to think about the privilege of not being able to be immediately identified as a lesbian yeah. on site or, yeah. like, as a bi woman. Um, so it's kind of like one of those things where I'm just like, I definitely feel it. That's why I have a tank top that says dyke across the boobs. Yeah. But at the same time... Belden brings up interesting points about otherness and visibility. What does it mean to be visibly different? Belden has amazing style. I most often see her in pastel pink, and she always stands out. However, there is privilege, like she said, in being able to adopt a style or look consciously. So many people in this world are othered from birth. It's kind of that whole, like, say it before someone else does. Yeah. And and owning it in, like, a compassionate way. Exactly. Exactly. I don't don't know about you, but, like, I have a a memory, like, distinct memories of as being a kid of of just knowing my otherness. Mm -hmm. You know, just being like, I'm different. For whatever reason, whether it was because I started having thoughts about my sexuality or Mm -hmm. the scars on my face. Um, Do you have a distinct moment when you remember you're like, I'm different? Oh, my God. Honestly, I have a really hazy memory of my childhood. Okay. Um, But, like... I guess that's the thing is I I feel like I grew up kind of weird. Um, my mother didn't really raise us with religion a lot. Like we okay. obviously had we we had a we had a Christian like a Christian secular upbringing basically. Okay. Um, so I know a lot of people who have very strong religious backgrounds, mm-hmm. and I don't have that. And I feel like I'm the only one who doesn't. I think for me it was actually my buck teeth. My oh, big teeth yeah. were always the thing for me because I remember when I was like six or seven, some kids who were like four years older than me making mm-hmm. fun of me for it. Um, I guess I was I felt I feel like I was picked on a couple like a a lot for like physical things before it was like emotional things. Yeah. You know, I think it was probably when I was like in middle school when I got to middle school because I got to middle school and like many eleven or twelve year old girls, I went. And decided I was Wiccan. And (laughs) so I kind of feel like that was part of it. Like, because at 11 too, I have a distinct memory where I was like, I don't even know how this happened. But like, I was like, I'm bi when I was 11. I thought I was bi. And it was like, I like was, I know, right? I don't know how I got, I always come back to Kids these days. Right? Right? (laughs) Nine year difference. And that's where, that's what it is. But like. I, I think I, I distinctly have a memory of um, when I was like four, my mom presented me with a necklace that had been gifted to me by my great aunt. Okay. And the necklace was like rainbow smiley faces. And my mom deliberately told me that it was um, a rainbow like gay people use. Like she was like the gay people, gay people use rainbows as their symbol um, because my aunt, my great aunt was a lesbian and she told me this. And I was like four or five. And so now sometimes when I want to, you know, rile up my mom a little bit, I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm a lesbian, by the way. <laughs> it's because of Auntie Linda. It's always the Aunt Linda's, it's, isn't it? Right? I love Aunt Linda, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, yeah, she's a big, butch lesbian, and I love her. Oh, she's gosh. so sweet. She's so wonderful. I love her. She sounds right? wonderful. She's amazing. You're the best, Auntie Linda. Mm. So I've, I've kind of always had that, like, had that knowledge in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I got to be like 11 and already was like, you know, yeah. I'm bi. And I, I talked about it too. I was very outspoken as like a 10, 11 year old, um, which I think is partially due to the fact that I had, uh, that I had have undiagnosed ADHD. Yeah. Um, so, cause I was always like, I was also one of those kids that was always like, I really overperformed mm-hmm. in elementary school um, and middle school, slightly less high school, definitely less, mm-hmm. but like middle school, I think was probably the time when I was really like, I'm weird and different. And yeah. that's, that's just how it is. I guess. That's like grade seven to nine for you. Yeah. Mostly, oh, yeah. Six, six to six to eight. Okay. In, yeah. in Riverview. Gosh. Yeah. I, uh, I have so many memories of kid, being a kid and just being like, yeah, I am the oddball here. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of carried through my entire life. Right. Do you lean into it? Like you celebrate your otherness? It's like been a back and forth a lot of the time, you know? And I think that there's definitely like 
a limit to what I like to share about myself. Of course. But and here you are at a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, mm-hmm, I'm going to ask some open-ended questions and hopefully make you cry. Right. Not actually. I would never. That sound, I will ask open-ended questions. Oh, but totally, I, yeah. My goal is not to make you cry. No. Well, not, I appreciate I'm that. Thank cry. you. I'm a crier. Aww. You're definitely stronger than I am. Oh, that's very <laughs> sweet of you. But yeah, no, like I... Yeah, I just... Like, it's definitely, like, I got really embarrassed of it in high school, how Mm -hmm. open I had been before. And it's kind of like it's a process of getting back to, you know, feeling comfortable with just being me. But I'm kind of trying to lean into it more, like, just be me, be open, be out there, just be doing the stuff that I actually like to do. Mm -hmm. What limits us from doing the things we like to do? For me, my first thoughts of otherness were what held me back. I was too fat, too feminine, too sensitive, and I felt ugly because of my facial scarring. For Beldum, it was her teeth and physical things which othered her at a young age. Over time, I believe some people have the opportunity to try on new identities. I say some people because some have much more opportunity than others due to privilege from race, class, gender, etc. It can be cathartic and life-changing to let go or reframe the identities which were given to us and learning to embrace new identities. Um, I have certainly had a lot of internal and external conflict placed on my identities, and I think it is difficult to learn to let some identities go. It is an endless process of reflection and mourning for the identities we held and the ones we wish we could have held. We live in a complex world dominated by inequitable structures, ideologies, and powerful people. Claiming power over your identities, present or past, is a radical act of self-determination. Beldum and I met doing an audition for the Improv Conservatory at Neptune Theatre. And I'd walked in, thought I was late, I think, or I was stressed out, probably because it was an audition. And you were seeing with Amy, mm-hmm. right? I, think, I was. Yeah, at the same time, I was like, these two, these two are my friends. <laughs> Uh, and I remember we had that moment when we were doing the audition. I think we they asked us what our offer was going to be. Mm-hmm. And both you and I just sort of started saying different words when we ended up in a relationship together. We did. I think you, I think I started to say location. Oh. And you started to say relationship. And then we both just kind of like drew it out real long. Yeah. So we're in the Improv Conservatory together. We've done two sessions. Two classes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're both oddballs. We are. I think so, anyway. I, I, think, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. And everyone else in the, in the course is great, too, so it's been a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I look forward to it. Oh, me too. Yeah. I, I'm really, actually, really happy about the group that we have. Me too. Because it's, like, it's a really diverse lo- group of, like, experience levels, ages. Mm-hmm. Um, six out of the nine people are women, which is really cool. Amazing. Um, you know, we have a couple of older people involved, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And, like, a couple of younger people, too, because I think, like, one of them, um, Caitlin, I think she's, like, 18 or 19. She has a university, so she'd be a bit younger. She'd yeah. be, like, a little bit younger she than me. She might listen to so. this, actually. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Caitlin. I know. Because I'm friends with all of them on Facebook now, yeah. so they better listen. Right. Or else. <laughs> um, yeah, do you think your, like I said, quirkiness or otherness or queerness, do you think that informs, like, your need to perform? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because I... I feel like I have such like a really big personality um, and it also just it gives me kind of a place to you know just like figure myself out to a certain extent yeah. um, before and I think I've mentioned this before um, when I was doing like just stage acting and musical theater um, I was specifically doing it in Fredericton and it was like the environment just ended up really wreaking havoc on my self-esteem, so on my you're, moods. You're making a bit of a face while you talk about it, so it doesn't seem like it was a pleasant experience. <laughs> it was... I had fun, but at the end of the day, like, every show, um, because of, you know, paywalls, basically, like, people uh, not being able to yeah. come... Like, because I lived in Fredericton, barriers. but my family lived in Moncton. Because of those barriers, financially, mostly, um, I didn't ever have anyone there after the show for me. So I would kind of just be standing there alone um, while everyone else was like hanging out with other people Mm -hmm. and getting flowers from other people. And I would kind of just sit there and be like, okay, guess I'm going to cry on the bus home now. Uh, Like it was really tough. Um, tough. And you know, now doing improv, I'm really, really excited for it because it's just, it's so much more a collaborative atmosphere. And I just also feel like I'm at a place now I'm 25, you know, I feel like I'm more capable, even that like two, three years that it's been, I feel like I'm more capable of mingling Mm -hmm. and just being able to talk to new people without Mm -hmm. hesitation kind of stuff. So 
and we're, we're we've committed to 30 weeks. So it's like, right? get in or get out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I have paid the money for the first term. I, oh my. So I'm yeah. here for at least that. I have a terrible time committing to things. Yeah. But I also, again, I think in terms of like identity and otherness, it's like I'm always worried that something's not going to work out yeah. based on mental health or physical health or just financial ability. Mm-hmm. So committing to something is 30 weeks. It's great that they broke it up into three different spots. It is. But it's still in my mind. I'm just like, no, all I'm really committing to is this next Sunday. Yeah. You know? I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, I'm going to stick it through, obviously. obviously. But um, obviously. obviously. You better. <laughs> yeah, I better. Um, but it is, it is, it's just like, all right, like for me, maybe this resonates with you as well. Um, I've always had trouble because ADHD, mm-hmm. which I know now, um, seeing the bigger picture and breaking it up into smaller things. Yeah. All I would ever see is the big thing and it would just completely overwhelm me. Absolutely. No. And that's like such a, that's such like a keystone of ADHD, yeah. especially is just like, you're not quite able to process, like you have the, the executive function deficits, yeah. you know, like you're just like looking at it and you're like, okay, what are the steps? Me and my wife actually have... Um, little lists yeah. that we put up. We've just put them up on our walls and it's okay. like stuff to do. We have one that's like stuff to do before you sit down. That's right by the door. And it's oh, like, brilliant. put your shoes away, put your coat away, that kind of stuff. And there's one in the kitchen. It's like, is there organics that need to be put out? Like, is there garbage that needs to be taken out? All that kind of stuff. Um, and it's been a huge, life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a huge help for us. Yeah. Um, and it's also like anytime we fall behind on stuff like that, it's like at least we have it there. So when it's time for us to get our shit together again, yeah. we look at it and we're like, okay, it's here. Yeah. So one of the things I think I find really interesting about otherness is that so often our concepts of otherness are used to sort of validate or excuse or explain things that make our lives more difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh, that person's just weird. That person's just this. But sometimes it's a breakdown in our ability to cope or deal with the stresses of life because yeah. being a human and an adult specifically is quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, Is there anything in your, about your identities and your otherness that has like challenged you? Oh my God. Um, I feel like... Let me think about this for a second. Let me think. Um, I mean, like I was talking about, ADHD is a mm-hmm. huge one. And that's the thing too is like my mom... I love her. She's been very resistant in the past about um, the idea that I might have a developmental disorder or some kind. Like a lot of people are with regards to um, their children who, especially those who, um, especially their children who seemed to perform normally or a or above normal as children because you could cope. And like, that was the biggest thing is honestly, I just, when things go wrong, I'm not great at coping. Yeah. Um, and also just, I feel like I've been really lucky in that, um, the friends that I've had have been really good about it, but, um, I know that for a lot of other lesbians, like being like identifying strongly as a lesbian is something that can often be a barrier. And like in high school, um, me and my wife, there were other lesbians at our high school, but we were the lesbians. Yeah. We were like, cause we walked through the whole halls holding hands and like kissed between classes and stuff like kissed each other goodbye uh, before classes and stuff like I distinctly remember there was like another like really like you know stud boy type but like you know (laughs) that kind of like like sagged pants and like butch haircut kind of deal um where she but she like got along with her she played sports she got along with everybody nobody but I don't, maybe they did though. Like, you know, yeah. maybe they did fuck with her, but I, it never seemed like they did to yeah. me because I was the one who was like, people were whispering about me and they mm-hmm. asked my sister who was three years younger than me after I had graduated, asked her if she was a lesbian because I was a lesbian. And it's like, okay, <laughs> these children younger than her were asking her this. And it's like, Again, how do you know me? Kids these days. Kids these yeah. days, right? <laughs> Nothing scares me more than having to go into a high school. Seeing teenagers. Oh, gosh. I see so many at my work. And here's the thing. So many of them are from, like, Sacred Heart. Like, we have uh, a huge contingent that come from Sacred Heart. And they're very polite young course. women. Yeah, but I, I look at them, and they're, I'm like, you're so much cooler than me. Oh, gosh. It's such yeah. a weird feeling when you're, like, an adult, and you see a teenager, and you're like, oh, I'm so uncool in comparison. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? I oscillate between thinking I'm, like, the shit to thinking I'm complete shit. Right? It's just like, depends on like the day, how much sleep I've had, if I drank enough water. You know, like last night, for instance, I went to bed and I was like, oh, things are going well. I have things to look forward to. <laughs> yep. Tonight, who knows? Who knows? You know? Because you know? me and my dog looking at each other and be like, who has it worse? <laughs> and, and he'd be like, well, I like my own asshole. And I'd be like, you have it worse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
Do you, do you remember what you wanted to be when you were a kid? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. When I was a kid, my first job that I wanted was veterinarian. Of course. Yeah. Then it was, um, actress. Mm. Then I went to lawyer and mm. that was what I intended to go to school for straight out of high school. Yeah. Then I dropped out of high school and mm. or not, not high school, sorry, dropped out of university. Yeah. And then like when I was like in university in that one year I did, I was like, I'm going to be an actress. Mm-hmm. And so started doing theater and stuff. That fell through and that took, that took, kept the longest, I think, was actress was the thing that kept the longest with me. Um, And then I just kind of did a one year secretarial course. And then I was like, I'm going to be an accountant. And then my employer um, fired me after a year, like just, I think it was just short, just a little over a year there. And they fired me and it was because... I didn't fit in with their office culture. And what they meant by that was... It was because of my otherness. Exactly. Like, it was a matter of either I was fat and unapologetic. Because that was a big thing is diet culture was huge in that office. Everyone was... All the women were always talking about their diets. And I'm like, I do not care at all. This is the last thing I want to hear about. I would just Mm. like to eat my Boston pizza and pizza... Like, they bought us Boston pizza once a month. It was like... There were a lot of perks. I made like $20 an hour working there. And then I got fired. And it was uh, probably, and I, like, I do believe in part, it was probably because I was a lesbian. Yeah. Like that was part of it was that. And the fact that I wasn't there to diet. Yeah. It's so you know? hard when you push the status quo or you're challenging yeah. it. And then mm-hmm. whether it's mental health or, um, and you're being pushed to the fringe because of your otherness. Yeah. And but people, and they just say it's your personality. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that's bullshit. I know. You have a lovely personality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the best actually. Right? <laughs> Not as good as mine, but like. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Thank you. Thank you so much. All it needs for me to be an ego tripping is like put me in front of a microphone or a camera. <laughs> like, welcome to the Tyler Show. <laughs> literally, quite literally, welcome well, to the I mean, Tyler it Show. Is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just only interview people named Tyler. Oh, God. There that'd be go. probably a good idea. <laughs> Finding others who share your identity or values is just sort of a central human tendency. I spent so much of my 20s drinking and partying while trying to find my fit that I kind of lost sense of who I was and who I wanted to be. Improv has been a huge help in my journey to being who I want to be. Beldum and I certainly share the urge to entertain. I was drawn to Beldum before knowing she was a lesbian, but I certainly felt there was a shared sense of otherness, of absurdness, and just plain old fun quirkiness. As improvisers, I really love that we can try on different identities while hopefully getting some laughs. As we try to make sense of our place in the world, I think we look for people and figures in the media that reflect visions of who we hope to be. For me, I was drawn to funny and strong women like Carol Burnett, uh, Kathy Jones of This Hour is 22 Minutes, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and of course, Xena the Warrior Princess. Beldum also found comfort in a surprising but another amazing strong comedic female. What do you have anyone who stands out that like kind of inspired you in terms of otherness and your identities as a kid? As a kid, oh my god, um, I'm gonna be real with you. Yeah, Miss Piggy. Really, Miss Piggy from the Muppets. The oh Muppets gosh. have always been like Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock and the Muppet Show have yeah. always been a through line in my life. Actually, that's right. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a puppeteer for a while. Oh, that that's was another so thing, amazing. which would have been so good. That yeah. was such a good career aspiration for yeah. me to have. But that's also something that, like, I never really carried through on it. Like, because I could have learned to make puppets. I could have done puppeteering and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So many kids did. Um, Like, kids in general, not kids at my school. I think that would have been weird at my school (laughs) if (laughs) if anyone had known. That would be more of an issue than lesbian. Yeah, I think so. I think that puppets. They would say lesbian full volume, but they'd be like, she's a puppeteer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, but yeah, no, Miss Piggy, and she's still like my biggest inspiration. Hi, I yeah. love yeah. exactly. Yeah. I love her. She's my favorite, um, and just like that idea of just being um, a woman who's other, but is just still strongly, very yeah. much like a woman and feminine. Like, and I don't want to be like, oh, femininity is power. Um, it is, but not for the reasons that most people like yeah. like to reclaim it as. Um, but like, just that like that feeling of she's so other in the way that she talks, the way that she moves, the way that she acts, but at the same time, she still claims womanhood so strongly, and I love that, and it really resonates with me, and especially when I was feeling, like, really, really down on myself, 
I would kind of like use fake confidence, you know, like fake, like fake it till I make it kind of stuff. Just mm-hmm. thinking about Miss Piggy and using her to inspire me. So I actually, um, I got my first tattoo two weeks ago. And um, another one that I have that I would love to get sometime is just like a pinup of Miss Piggy on my arm. Amazing. It would be so good. It's almost as good as the one that I kind of might actually get with my sister, which is matching tattoos of Dolly Parton. But you know that one picture where she's like, Point and finger guns, one yeah. eye closed. We so wanted, I was like, we need to get that, but like pointing at each other, like yeah. opposite arms kind of thing. So we stand beside each other and they're just like... It's funny how Dolly Parton is such an oh. icon, not just in the queer community, but I think in like just in any community that is yeah. like a bit different, but she's so, she's part of the mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, but she does, there's such a, a shine to her. There is. Passion. Exactly. Well, and it's so much, I know for her... A big thing for her is, um, and like again, she's another big inspiration for yeah. me is Dolly Parton. They go, Miss Piggy and Dolly Parton go like hand in hand. They're basically the same person. <laughs> They're opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Us, Almost. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like with Dolly Parton, for me, the thing I love about her is she's so much dedicated to like artifice mm-hmm. and being fake. Yeah. And like you know, it being, costs a lot to look that. It cheap. costs a lot to look that cheap. Yeah. And you know. You know, be a diamond in a rhinestone world. And yeah. it's just, she's so inspiring. And especially because she really did, because she's from, like, Appalachia. She yeah. came from, like, nothing. Yeah. Like, absolutely. With nine sisters or something. Right? Yeah. Just, like, had nothing. And so she really is, like, an example of somebody who really has built themselves up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I don't want to get into, like, bootstrap stuff. But, like, <laughs> but you know what I yeah. mean. Like, yeah. she's an example of somebody who has made a choice about who she wants to be and how yeah. she wants to present herself to the world. And yeah. I Really, really appreciate that. And it's, I think it's important to, like, I'm against the bootstrap ideology. It's like, you know, like, if you just work harder, the meritocracy will reward you. We know exactly. that's not true. But, you know, when you think of a class analysis, like, where she did grow up in the Smoky Mountains and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the sexism and misogyny she would have experienced mm-hmm. and was recognized for her form and how she looked, but also still just badass. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of her biggest things is she actually has like a, re- a literacy charity yes yeah um which i think is awesome it's the oh God, i can't remember what the, it's called it's like the something yeah i know exactly what you're talking about um, but yeah uh amazing right she's really yeah creative. i will always be critical of multimillionaires. absolutely you know just as a, a very base level absolutely but it's i just i can't help but love her Exactly, you have, know. Have you read her autobiography? I haven't. Good. It's a good read. You can usually find it at like a used bookstore. I'll definitely. I read it on a train ride once. She almost shot a man one time oh and like all kinds of really good stories about when oh she was on God. Cold Porter and like about her husband Carl, which mm-hmm. you never hear about. Well, yeah, that's the thing is she's actually, another thing is specifically, um, there's always the, um, like with Oprah and Gail, yeah. she has her best, I can't remember her best friend's name, but like. Dolly I'll, has a lesbian lover? Yeah. Sorry. That's the rumor. That's the rumor. She's never said it. Like, she's always, like, denied it. But it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, this woman is always with her. Carl's at home, and she's on the tour kind of thing. So it's, like, the okay. Right? Exactly. So I think there's, like... And that's the thing is, like, Dolly, Dolly is just so emphatically, like, even though she's not a lesbian, she hasn't claimed it, she's such... She is such a lesbian icon. Like, yeah. especially, especially a femme lesbian icon. Oh. Just, like... Amazing. <laughs> so, um, can you tell us where we are? Oh, we're currently in the Glitter Bean Cafe in a very small room. <laughs> yeah. Um, upstairs. Um, the Glitter Bean Cafe is a queer owned, queer run, cooperative cafe that came out of the really terrible Smiling yeah. Goat Barista Strike of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I, 2018. Oh my and, and before that, a lot of them worked at Just Us and like yeah, similar. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Because I know this was a cooperative cafe when I moved here mm-hmm. in like, when did I move here? 2016. Yeah. So. it's I didn't realize we were missing this until it came here. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize that we were missing like a queer specific like run business. Yeah. Like I just didn't, like we have Venus Envy and we have all kinds of, we have oh, totally. men's mollies, but like in terms of a place you can just hang out. Yeah, exactly. Today when I called to book this room, I just... Because I have to tell everyone my whole life story. You should see me go through a drive-thru. It's the worst. <laughs> I just become a different person. Um, but I called and the person who answered the phone was really wonderful. And I instantly started, I'm recording a podcast. It's called Quirky and or Queer. It's very queer. And you're a queer place. And blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what time? <laughs> she's like, no 
problem. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the space is really wonderful. I would love yeah. to see Dartmouth. Absolutely, that'd yeah, be awesome. Small victories, small wins. Exactly, little little bit at a time. So what's next for Beldum? Oh, doing improv con, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing for me right now. Committing to it, going through mm-hmm. with it, because like you... Um, I so often I'll be like, I'm going to do something and mm-hmm. then immediately drop it. Yeah. Just like I'll do once and then it's done. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of to bring it back to something you touched on before, just being prepared for mm-hmm. failure, like inevitable yeah. failure kind of thing. But for me, a lot of the time it's like, I always find it hard to make friends because I always try, I always start to fixate oh. on like, I'm, it feels almost like I'm like looking. I'm looking for the one little thing that makes them a bad person and a bad person to be friends with. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like really trying to work against that because it's because it's like it's it's that weird balance of trying to find like people whose um, opinions and beliefs mesh with yours and people who aren't like espousing harmful beliefs, mm-hmm. but at the same time like not needing to know 100% about yeah. every single person as soon as you meet them. 100% I blame, I blame the inter- internet. <laughs> yeah. No, like I grew up with the internet. Like I'm going to beat the internet up. I would like to sometimes because <laughs> it really did ruin my ability to like cope. Yeah. And, and the same breath that it like introduced me to so many people in my life who are yeah. so wonderful and has really helped me in a lot of ways and finding other people who yeah. are othered and who feel weird. Um, at the same time, it just really weighs on you mm-hmm. so strongly. I've, I've thought a lot about um, critical thought mm-hmm. and, and, and otherness. And I think I've said to people before that I feel so lucky to have been gay and queer because it allowed me to develop critical thought in ways that other people might not have to because yeah. life was just made for them. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, and life, I'm super privileged in lots of ways as well. Uh, but it made me develop critical awareness. But I think it's also like hijacked my brain. Yeah. I'm even though you've met me, I'm optimistic, I'm outgoing, mm. I'm energetic. I'm an asshole on the inside. Yeah. All the time. Oh my God, right? All the time. Judgmental all I the time. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And it's like, I have to fight against it so hard. Same. Yeah. Because it's like, I want to be, I want to think of myself as a good person, as a yeah. nice person. But like, it's some, it's kind of that feeling of like, okay, first of all, Beldum, people can't read your thoughts. <laughs> like, they can't hear it. Yeah. And also just examining, like, being gentler with myself when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Like, I can definitely say I was a weird kid. But, like, would I judge a kid that wasn't me yeah. as harshly yeah. as I do myself at that age? Probably not, hey? Probably not. Yeah. So it's like I kind of just have to compartmentalize that part of my life a little bit and just be like, okay, this is a different Beldum. She was valid. Yeah. Like, she was a little kid who was just trying to figure Take things out. Yeah. Exactly. I say to people all the time that, we're all just big walking bags of meat trying to get by. Because really, at the end of the day, we're just like on this giant rock floating through space. Right. I know it's not a new concept by any means, but <laughs> I, I don't want to be too nihilistic about it because mm. I think we should all care. Yeah. We should all develop our own morality and like and live a more compassionate life. But at the same time, what does it all matter? Yeah. You know, I think all we can do is just be nicer to each other. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of the guiding principle of my life is like, how can I make somebody's life better today? Do you have a sense of what your core values are? Um, I do. I think that my core values are, I, I don't want to hurt people. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the biggest one for me is move through life, hurting as few people as possible. Absolutely. And if I do hurt people, like make changes to myself mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of examine that. And that's something that, um, I've had a lot, I guess, I, I guess I could say I've had a lot of time and to work on that because mm-hmm. I've, I've lost a lot of friends in the past, like five years I guess mm-hmm. um, just through a matter of misunderstandings through a matter of being mentally ill people interacting yeah. with other mentally ill people yeah. um, you know I've lost a lot of people who mean a lot to me just like by having disagreements with them and just finding ourselves at opposite ends um, like opposite sides of something and so it's kind of just like taking into account that, yeah, I've been wronged, but mm-hmm. you know, you can, like, I can still be wronging people too. Absolutely. You know, and like trying to figure out the balance between like, this was their fault and this was my fault kind yeah. of stuff. Like, how could I have handled it better? None of us are perfect. I guess we can all do a little better. 
As we test out our different identities, we can come into conflict with our values and the values of others. As Beldum said, it is about trying to find the balance between accountability and how we could have done better. You know, we're all just people and we should just be nicer to each other. We need to be kinder yeah. and more considerate of people. Yeah. Um, that's Especially also, if we have the privilege to. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, and that's why, like, I see it a lot in my day-to-day life. Um, since I'm a barista, um, mm-hmm. I deal with people a lot. Yeah. And sometimes people just forget that you're a person. Uh, service. And service. Capitalism. Sucks. Yeah. It sucks. But at the same time, it's also like the job I feel like I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I have the perfect personality for this kind of work, making these kind of little connections and yeah. stuff. Um, and the work I also like, like I like making drinks. I like talking to people. I like greeting people, all that kind of stuff. It all works for me. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's, um, I kind of sometimes have to like sacrifice that fee- like being a person for a second, yeah. which sucks. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I, I, I hope that the people that I serve then go on to do that themselves sometimes to like kind of mm-hmm. think of someone else before they think of themselves. Yeah. Um, it's tough. I guess so, cause we don't really know where in someone's day we're intersecting. Yeah. We don't know what that moment will mean to them. Exactly. And that's kind of why I always like, I try, I try and be really, you know, I try really high energy. I try to be really peppy. Mm-hmm. I think honestly the question that I get the most in my line of work that is the most annoying is people being like, where do you get the energy? And it's like, it's a conscious choice, man. But yeah. what I usually say is I'm an energy vampire. Yeah. I just suck energy <laughs> from everyone else. Just little bits at a time. Yeah. That's usually what, like, I straight up do say that to people sometimes. Can you imagine? That would be like the, probably the most interesting, like, young adult fiction novel for me. But for everyone else, they'd be like, yeah, I want Robert Pattinson. And I'm like, no, I want to see <laughs> Beldum sucking the energy out of people at work. Thank you. Yeah. Give me yeah. 10 chapters of that by tomorrow, please. Thank you, <laughs> But also Thank a latte. Have you read? <laughs> <laughs> um, on the way over here, actually, because I was in a bit of a rush, I was at the Scotia Square Mall, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just talking about intersections and points of identity, yeah. and when when you don't know what you're going to do to someone that day, um, and I easily confused about where my car is parked, and I finally found my way over to the elevator, pressed the button, had to wait a weirdly long time, and this woman comes over looking super stressed out, mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, "Is this the elevator?" I was like. I hope so you know like because like yeah because i hope it's on the bathroom because i need to get to my car um and so we started chatting i was like yeah you seem like you know, you're a bit of a rusher something probably a too personal question for mm-hmm. someone i just met i didn't even meet we we're just standing next to each other yeah she's like yeah i'm late to pick up my daughter at school oh, and no. we started chatting and she was talking about how how challenging it is to be a mom and whatever and i just looked at her and the things you say to strangers that you don't really have a place to but you just felt compelled i feel compelled to mm-hmm. and i just looked at her i was like I bet you were a really great mom. Aww. And she looked at me and she just looked so sad and happy at the same time and gave me a hug on the elevator with like Aww. a bunch of other people. And then she said, you're probably a really great, I don't know what, I, what I'm wearing rainbow tights. She was probably just like, get away from here. <laughs> <laughs> she probably like, really great athlete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You seem so fit. <laughs> uh, but it was a really tender moment. I was like, oh, I'm a good person. And then I left and hopefully she picked up her daughter in time. I hope so too. Um, yeah. Did you do anything like really absurd as a kid that sticks out for oh you? Oh my God. Do you have a memory that your parents were like, what the hell are you doing? Oh building? my God. Let me think. Um, you know, I think honestly, I always come back to this for some reason is that I, I've always had like a drive to be like caring and nurturing. I can tell this because when my, my sister's three years younger than me, mm-hmm. um, three and a half for being specific. Um, and one day uh, <laughs> to be extra, specific. to be extra, specific, <laughs> to be accurate. Yeah. Um, specific is such a hard word to say. Right. <laughs> but, um, no, she's three and a half and one day younger than me. And, I, three and a half and one day year old me, um, holding, I, uh, she was left on the floor. My mom left the room because I was sitting on the couch. I was just, I was just totally just chilling out on the couch and my mom left my little sister on the floor and left the room. And then I, in my infinite wisdom was like, I'm going to pick this baby up. (laughs) So I picked the baby up and I was sitting with her on the couch in my lap and my mother comes in, gasps. And I am just like, hands in the air, baby rolls down my legs back onto the floor. <laughs> what were you thinking at that time? Do you I, I do not know. Because this is, again, 
I have such a soggy memory of my childhood, but like well, three and a half is young. Three and a half is very young yeah. too. Also, but like my mom's told me that story so many times. Cause um, that's the kind of story the parents love to tell. Right. Yeah. Oh, I think probably the weirdest thing that I did. And here's the thing is my mom, I love her so much. She's wonderful. She's a very eccentric person. Yeah. Um, so like I would go to school in middle school wearing like a sari tunic, like the tunic <laughs> yeah. part of sari. Yeah. And like bell bottom jeans. Okay. And my hair was a mess. I had long I begged her to have long hair at the time and it was a mistake for her to let me because yeah. I did not take care of it because I was eleven and had ADHD and didn't know it. <laughs> um, but like I would just go to school wearing ridiculous clothes, but my mother was so supportive of me. Because I guess that's the thing is I've had a r I've she's always been very supportive of me and my yeah. oddness and she's always like I still have some, or I, I, I have, I remember, um, some of my old Wiccan books that I had, um, she had actually read through one of them and like mm-hmm. marked, like written little notes in it in her own reading. Yeah. Um, and just gave that back to me. And I was just like, that's so cool that she was so supportive of all the weird shit that I wanted to do yeah. as a te- as like a preteen. This is a plug to moms and families who embrace their children's otherness. I think if your family and close connections embrace your otherness from a young age, you're likely to have less shame and negative emotions around your experiences of otherness. My mother is one of the most exceptionally weird people I know and has been known to perform ridiculous spells from a Reader's Digest anthology book from my school library using beeswax candles I would make during my lunch break while alone in the craft resource room during my junior high years. I was a weirdo. I still am. For me, when I when I think about like when did I first start feeling same-sex attraction, for me it was always like I always go back to I just recently discovered, rediscovered this memory. I had a huge crush on, have you ever seen Sky High? It's like a uh, Disney superhero. So. Okay, Disney superhero movie. There's like a um, side character who can turn into a guinea pig. <laughs> and I was obsessed with her. I loved her so much. She was my favorite. What does that do for you when you're a guinea pig? Like, how does that, like... I just... It wasn't that she was a guinea pig. It was just the way that she looked when she wasn't a guinea pig. Like, she was, like, black hair. She had, like, a purple streak. And I thought she was so cool. And now I'm, like, looking back at it. And I'm, like, was that my... Like, was that one of my first crushes? Oh, my gosh. But I'm trying to think, like, as a superpower. Right? That's the thing. It was, like, she was, like, a sidekick. Yeah. It's like... And they probably wrote like really interesting little ways where that was advocating. Yeah, it was like. Go through the duct. Yeah, exactly. There's literally a scene where she's like going through a duct. Because I was a little, not to get too deep into into sky high on this (laughs) non-sky high podcast. But it's like, it's like a high school for superheroes and sidekicks. And it's like some kids, if they don't have any powers, but they're like the children of superheroes, they go into the sidekick class. But if they have superpowers, they go into the hero class kind of thing. Hmm. Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald are in it. So it's a wrong. Yeah. Okay. See, that would interest me. Right? Oh, that was another thing is that I always, my parents were super big into comedy. Mm -hmm. And so I like from the age of like eight onwards, I was watching Royal Canadian Air Force and this hour is 22 minutes and kids in the hall. I'm like eight years old watching a buddy monologue. Like I was so drawn to those shows though too. Right? Because where else were you going to find someone who's weird? Yeah, exactly. And they celebrated for. I distinctly remember watching the Carol Burnett show. Oh my like god. Like reruns of it obviously because I'm not old enough to be around when it was on live. Mm-hmm. But I remember just like dying with laughter. So much fun. Yeah. And I, I think that's another thing that's really big for me is mm-hmm. I really like, um, like yeah, because I'm thinking about it now too and like I'm thinking about like Luba Goy. She mm-hmm. had like a big round she has like a big round face yeah and like kind of the hooked flattened nose um and just such strong facial features on a woman which was yeah. like really cool to see and probably made me feel a little bit better about being like a little round faced yeah. chubby kid <laughs> um and like and also with like kids in the hall and stuff like um you know i think i think i think we can debate you, know, other people can debate you know the political correctness of yeah. Kids in the Hall's drag, but at the same time, it was weirdly formative to me as a woman, mm-hmm. like looking back on it and seeing this kind of yeah. like weird representation of womanhood because yeah. they definitely had characters where it was just like they were just playing a woman. Um, and those were, and it's, and so it's like that's kind of informed me 
And, like, I was super into Ed Wood for a while. Okay. Like, the, the director, Ed Wood. I have a box set of his films. <laughs> you sound like the most interesting, like, young kid, teenager ever. Thank you. Were your parents I, just like, all right. Basically. <laughs> I feel like that was kind of what they were like. As long as it was, like, not on the... My mother was terrified of the internet for the longest time, and she hated it. And, like, for good reason. There was a lot of shit on there that I shouldn't have seen when I was 11. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Um, but like generally like with movies and stuff, like my dad, me and my dad watched young Frankenstein when I was like Uh, 11. Like my dad had good, my dad loves Mel Brooks and I'm like, excellent choice, dad. Um, but like, yeah, like I, I've always been exposed to a lot of like a lot of comedy. And so a lot of weirdness, cause that's a big part of the specifically like even comedy from just like a couple generations before us, you know, yeah. like it was a lot based on, you had a lot more weirdness coming yeah. in, you know? Well, that's one thing I love about 22 Minutes. Mm-hmm. If you watch it, is even though it's like a national television show on CBC, they do some really absurd things. They do! And, uh, I mean, they're still political, they lean into the news very mm. heavily, but they just do skits, like, there was a skit a couple years ago where Sean Majumder and I think Susan Kent, and Susan Kent, who I love, she I follows me on Instagram. Stuff. Oh, that's exciting. Oh my god, I just adore her. Anyway, um, she delivered a baby that was Shama Jumder, and then she became the baby that Shama Jumder. It was just like it looped back and forth. <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, the writers of the show, like, that to me, that's a dream job. Yeah. Like, beyond 22 minutes, that's a dream job mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah. I mean, you're from Newfoundland, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got. You've got just, you've got the main component yeah, there. Sure, by it's into blood. Um, <laughs> it's one thing I know, I think a lot about is my otherness in terms of, like, where am I from? But I'm grew up in a military family. Mm. Um, so that's pretty common and cliche but uh my family's from newfoundland my dad's side my mom's actually british oh. um, i kind of grew up here in, in halifax right so i've always been like kind of confused about where i'm from yeah and so i've always said that i'm from newfoundland because that's where my dad's side of the family is who i'm closer to i lived there a couple times as an adult but it's funny how maybe you feel this way as well but like the older i get it the less i care about the surface parts of my identity and the more i care about like the internal parts yeah no know? i know what you're saying absolutely because it's yeah, it's it's tough because like as you get older, it's like what what about me really counts? Yeah, you know, like what about me really makes a difference mm-hmm. in my life? Yeah, um, I think one thing for me that actually kind of contributes to my otherness a little bit is probably the fact that I've been in the same relationship for ten years at the age Which of twenty five. Astounding to me. <laughs> but it's like we've kind of like, and this is like super sappy, but it's like we've kind of grown together, like mm-hmm. two trees that are planted yeah. too close. Um, we just kind of wrapped around each other and we've been... Do you just call your intimate moments cross-pollination? <laughs> <laughs> just look at her from across the room and be like, hey baby, you want to cross-pollinate? Oh my God. If I said that, I think she'd die. <laughs> should, uh, I cut, should I cut that part out? You should cut that part okay. out. Okay. <laughs> Good thing we have that written in stone. <laughs> exactly. There we go. But- Beldum and I share similar challenges with our queer identities, our mental health, and the challenge of caring about social justice, but also having to find a way to participate in society, even if that means finding ways to work around our values. It's funny how we learn to cope and process yeah. and based on our different like, levels of mental health, our mm-hmm. wellness, and, and plus our other identities, right? Yeah. So, but I think so many people get lumped into the same basket. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's a lot more complex than that. Exactly. No, I, and I often say to people that like my whole life is just like a it's like a rough scaffold of coping mechanisms. So if like one of them falls, they all just sort of like start to lose yeah. it. Um gotten a lot better as I'm older. Yeah, and it that's that it takes practice. Yeah. You know? It takes that that time. Do you think you're the same person you were when you were eleven? Like is there like a core of who you are who are you changed? Have you tried on different identities and I definitely tried on a lot of different identities because, like I said, when I was 11, I thought I was bi. Mm-hmm. Um, when I met my wife, I thought I was pan. And then um, a little bit after that, I realized that I was a lesbian. Yeah. I don't know, really. That's a tough question for me because so much of my identity is wrapped up in other people a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, in like caring for other people mm-hmm. and you know being there for other people, I don't leave a lot of space for me to be myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that. If there's not a core me, I'd like to make one. You know, sure. like I'd like to go back to that like eleven-year-old yeah. girl. What made her happy? You know, like what what excited her about the world? What did yeah. she, how did she feel about other people? Kind of stuff. Like I'd like to go back to that and kind of refashion myself out of clay. Yeah. You know? I am a firm believer in doing some work to find your core values. It is helping me refashion myself, and I see how it helps others do the same. 
I consider it to be sort of like a decision-making matrix I can use when I have big decisions to make in my life. Uh, it's less binary than just pros and cons. Uh, it allows for and respects the complexities of living in this day and age. Also, it allows me to buy fancy pens for all the damn journaling I do. One thing I did a couple years ago that I found very helpful for like making decisions or kind of using it as like a decision-making matrix mm -hmm. is I identified all the times in my life that I felt like the most excited or the most joy. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about all the different versions of me that I could be in the future that were like dream me, rock star, comedian, writer, all those things, right? And yeah. then I tried to find commonalities between all well, commonalities between the things I've done and the things I thought I, the dream me could do and kind of distill them into like five or six words. Yeah. And I use that as a way to like make decisions occasionally. Oh, like, for instance, uh, I realize that money doesn't really motivate me, but it allows me to have more freedom. Yeah. I love to travel. I love to do these work exchanges. I love to do all these things that I've been very lucky to do. And I realized it wasn't about money. It was about freedom. So like whatever that means. So it's like financial freedom or, or sometimes it's just not having too much on my plate. Mm -hmm. um, also, I'm sober, so I've done a lot of drugs and alcohol and partied like a maniac. Oh, I shouldn't use that word. I've just partied a lot. Um, and uh, I realized that's no different than like... I don't know, mountain biking. It's it's just a different type of vitality. So nothing's yeah. like super poignant or a wonderful mm -hmm. analogy, but it certainly helped me make decisions. Yeah, that's really cool. Anyways, we probably should wrap up. We've been probably. recording for an hour and a half. Oh my goodness. I know. It's wild, eh? How, how quickly this can go. Yeah, totally. Any last things you want to say about being quirky and or queer? Oh, um, I think that with regards to being quirky and or queer, I would say... We all just need to find, we really all do just need to find that person um, who is going to, like within ourselves, we need to find that person who is going to go out into the world and bring joy and kindness and understanding to other people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that being othered so often can lead you to feel like really, you know, uncomfortable and upset around other people and just really kind of puts you in a place that's really dark. And I think that with practice, with help, with understanding from people around you, I think we can all get out of that mm -hmm. and really use what we've learned about being other to kind of like support ourselves and help other people out too. And just really, you know, make positive change a little bit at a time, yeah. you know, while we have the time. Hanging out and recording episode two with Beldum was an incredible privilege. I have learned so much from her in the short few months we've been pals. She is incredibly compassionate, optimistic, and just critically aware of the world. Every day, she makes a difference in people's lives and improves their day just by being kind. But more than kind, she is doing her best to be there for others while also learning to be there for herself. I guess that is another thing we have in common. So many thanks to Beldum for joining this episode of Quirky and or Queer. Um, if you or someone you know is quirky and or queer and doesn't mind having their photo taken or sharing their secrets with someone while it is being recorded and is okay with me asking them oddly curious and personal questions, let me know. I'm looking to speak with more people about their experiences of otherness. If this is something you might be interested in, let me know by emailing tyler at quirkyandorqueer.com. Thanks to Fieldnote for providing the music for this podcast. And of course, as always, thanks to my main sponsor, Old Mama G, or Glennis as the regular folk call her, because without being able to live in her house, I would find it a lot harder to exist as my quirky and queer self. So until next time, this is T. Johnny. Thank you so much for listening to Quirky and or Queer. Goodbye. Come see us at the Fringe Festival when the Improv Con Conservatory performs. Are we? Is that happening? Yeah, it's the end of. That's the end of like the whole thing. Fringe what? Festival performance. Did you miss that in the email? Oh my god. Come see us. The Fringe. Oh dear. <laughs> oh god. <laughs>